Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Wonderful. Well, good morning, church. How are you? Doing good today? Looking good today? All right, wonderful. Well, yeah, my turn at the plate. My turn at the plate. A little bit different uh, message this morning. In our in our culture, we have a slogan, and it's used a lot, and and it's kind of tossed around, and it goes like this: Go big or go home. Go big or go home, okay? And basically what that, how that interprets and how that washes out is do it 100% or don't do it at all, right? Okay, so the title of my message this morning is Dream Big or Go Home, okay? Dream Big or Go Home. And this comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 17 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. So, not going to try to cover the prophecy part. Not going to try to cover the visions. But today we're going to talk about dreams a little bit, okay? And what role they play biblically and what role they play in our lives as children of God. Amen? Um. How do we dream bigger? How do we dream bigger than we already have, already are, that kind of deal? Well, if you're taking notes today, um, write this down. Don't limit God. Don't limit God, okay? Now, the definition of limit is to restrict, to confine, to keep within a designated area, to fence in, to hold back, or to bind up. You ever seen anybody with their kid walking down the street and the kid's on a leash? Huh? When those first came out, I thought, man, that's really cruel. It's like, you know, taking your kid for a walk like a German shepherd, I guess, or whatever. But if you look at that, the kid has limited freedom, but who's really in control, okay? Ponder that one for a moment. There's all kinds of limits in our lives. Spending limits, speed limits. Earning limits, noise limits, and eating limits, etc., etc., etc. Wish I could stick to that eating limit a little bit better at times. How, everybody said amen to that? Yeah. Some of those limits are real good for us. Spending limits, speed limits. My wife sets the spending limits at our house. Okay? She's the budgeteer. She does finances for a living. And so she's always handled 
the finances at our house, and I'm grateful for that. I don't have to worry about it. I just get my little allowance each each week, tuck that neatly into my wallet, and think, okay, uh, yeah, try not to eat that in the first two days, okay? That kind of deal. But all kinds of limits that are good for us. The speed limit. Now, when that years ago, when they set it backwards to 55, I just thought they were idiots. I just thought, 55 miles an hour? And my speedometer says it'll do 160. I mean, come on now. I'm not getting good use of, of my investment here. But speed limits, I tell you. Yeah. The degree in which we experience God's power and ability depends entirely on the length of the leash that we've attached to him in all reality. Okay? And I want to challenge you today through this message, take him off the leash. Okay? Take him off the leash. We serve a God who is infinite. We serve a God that's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, the Bible tells us. He's completely capable. He's a God whose power and his ability and his love for us knows no limits. So that's why we can't limit God, okay? Even though we know all of this, we read it in his word, we often declare it with our mouth, we still tend to limit God's power in our lives, whether it's consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously. Um, Psalm chapter 78, verses 41 through 43 says this, Again and again they put God to the test. They vexed or limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember His power the day He redeemed them from the oppressor, the day He displayed His miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders in the region of Zoan. So Israel, I'm not going to pick on Israel too bad today. Israelites, I, I know I, I've done that in the past, and I don't want to beat, beat up on them too much, but I want to use their culture and their way of life and all that they did as kind of an example on what not to do when it comes to limiting God, okay? They put him in a box. They kept him on a leash by failing to rely on what they had witnessed, what they had seen with their very own eyes of his limitless power and ability. Sadly, we do the same sometimes, probably more often than not. So God needs us and wants us to take the limits off of him, believe him for the impossible in our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in our church, in our community, and in our nation. Boy, our nation is... A mess right now, is it not? And uh, we need God to do some miraculous things. But if we, if we don't take the limits off of him and get him out of the box, so to speak, will those things happen? So I'm going to talk about three different things today. I know there are a lot more than three in the way we limit God, but I'm going to talk about three things. So if you're a note taker, write this down. Number one is doubt. Number one is doubt. Okay. Doubt is basically just faith in the negative. Doubt is faith going the wrong way, okay? It should be going this way, but it's going that way. It should be going forward, and it's, but it's backing up. Here's what James chapter 1 says. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. People, This is out of the Message Bible, and I love this translation. People who worry their prayers, worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, 
and always keeping your options open. Boy, oh boy. That's kind of what Israel was out doing. They're out there on their march for 40 years, believe it or not. And they were always murmuring. They were always doubting. Sure, he made us a way through the Red Sea. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But can God give us bread? That was their next question. So he gave them bread. Well, can God give us water? We don't have any water. We can't go back out and drink out of the Red Sea. Is God going to give us water or will we all die of parched, you know, whatever here? God gave him water, all right. And he didn't just, like, draw a line in the sand and create a river or a creek. He told Moses, walk over to the rock over there and hit it with your rod. And water came gushing forth, all the water needed to satisfy some three, three and a half million people. That had to be quite a sight, don't you think? Yeah. Can God give us meat? That was their other question. Yeah, he gave them meat, special delivery right out of the sky. That was just God's way. Then they said, but can he deliver us from our enemies? Well, yeah, he did it a while ago over there. Okay. And over and over, God provided and, and delivered in every area of their lives. And yet they still spent 40 years saying, can God? Can God? Can God? You know, shaking their heads at one another. Sometimes we pray for healing in our bodies. But in our minds, we're thinking, ah, it probably won't happen for me. I mean, I'm just, I'm being real with you, okay? Being transparent with you. Hope you'll be transparent with yourself. Sometimes we pray for revival. Say, God, bring revival to our church. Bring revival to our community. And then inside, we're telling ourselves, well, it probably won't happen here. You know, what can you say? Sometimes we pray and hope that God will do great things, and yet we not we are not expecting Him to do great things. I, and I, you know, I don't understand human nature all the time, but we get this way, we operate this way, and we we've got to get beyond that so we can take the handcuffs off of God, take Him out of the box, get the leash. Put away, okay? We know that God can do the impossible because we've seen it. We've read about it in his word. But we don't believe that it's probable. It may not be in the cards for us, huh? Sad state of affairs. We ought to be saying, God can, God can, he has, he did it, and he'll do it again. That's what we ought to be saying, amen? Another way, number two today, through disobedience. Through disobedience. Here's another good one out of, the, out of the Message Bible. Proverbs 28 and 9. God has no use for the prayers of the people who won't listen to him. Huh? Yeah. That's a reality check, isn't it? God has no use for those kind of prayers. He's thinking, you know, well, you haven't really listened to my word. You haven't really listened to my instructions. So, you know. Get it together on the prayer end of things, shall we? First Samuel fifteen twenty two, but Samuel replied, "Does the Lord, we're talking about disobedience here? Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. We all know this verse, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Yeah, God doesn't really appreciate our dis- disobedience." 
And we always are going to end up reaping what we sow in disobedience. So you need to think about that because his word declares that to obey is better than sacrifice. Okay? 1 John 3 and 21, 22. Out of the Living Bible, if our consciences are clear, we can come to the Lord with perfect assurance and trust and get whatever we ask for because we are obeying him and doing the things that please him. I don't know about you, but whatever I do in my life, I want to please God. And I know that I don't always do that. I'll, I'll lay my head on the pillow at night, and uh, Teresa's gone a week at a time for her job up to Puyallup, so she's gone a week and home a week. And on those nights when I lay my head on the pillow and I'm all by myself, boy, you talk about a, uh, a heart check, a head check, um, an attitude check, because it's just me and God. And I want to know that whatever I'm doing in my life, I'm obeying God, that I'm not disobeying him, that I'm not disappointing him on a regular basis, because that's not the lifestyle I believe that we ought to live. Amen? Number three today is failure to ask. Failure to ask. That's how we are putting God in a box. Failure to ask him. Let me share a little story with you. Paul Harvey. Anybody ever heard of Paul Harvey? Used to love to listen to Paul Harvey on the radio. So Paul Harvey used to tell the story about a three-year-old little boy who went to the grocery store with his mother. And before entering the store, she said to this little guy, you're not going to get any chocolate chip cookies to say today, so don't even ask. She put him in the cart, set him in the child's seat, and while she wheeled up and down the aisles, he was doing just fine until they came to the cookie section. He saw the chocolate chip cookies, and he stood up in the seat, and he said, Mommy, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, No, I told you not to ask. You're not getting any at all. So he sat back down. And they continued up and down the aisles, in, but in their search for other items in the store, they ended up somehow back in the cookie aisle. Mommy, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? She said, I told you no. You can't have any cookies. Now sit down and be quiet. So finally, they were approaching the checkout line. The little boy sensed that this might be his last chance. So just before they got to the line, he stood up in the seat of the cart and he shouted at the top of his lungs, In the name of Jesus, may I please have some chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> and with that, everybody in the store kind of let out a good laugh. Some even applauded. And according to Paul Harvey, due to the generosity of the other shoppers, the little boy and his mother left with 23 boxes just chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. The moral of that story... It don't hurt. It doesn't hurt to ask, right? In the name of Jesus, can I please have some chocolate chip cookies? Oh, my goodness. James chapter 4, verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. That's God's promise to us. Amen? 
God's promise to us, right there in the first few chapters of the New Testament. Again, God wants us to take the limits off of him, take the leash off of him, and believe for the impossible in our own lives. However that looks, whatever that looks like for you and for me. As I was writing my notes, this thought crossed my mind. Don't limit God to what he can do at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard. Amen? I thought about, I thought about the revivals that have happened just in recent years past. Toronto, Canada, 1994. Little church, a couple hundred people in a little vineyard church in Toronto, and they had been praying for revival and praying for revival. If you look it up, it's called the Toronto Blessing. And all of a sudden, one weekend, it just broke out. It happened. It just happened, and a move of the Holy Spirit swept through the church, and they began to have services six and seven days a week, and the church began to grow beyond their capacity. And at last count, before the whole thing kind of came to a close, some five years later, a quarter of a million people had passed through their doors, and some had been healed, some had been saved, uh, lives had been radically changed because of revival. Just reminding you, don't discount what God has for us right here on this corner. I thought about Brownsville, which is in Pensacola, Florida. Brownsville Assembly of God. In the summer of 1995, about a year later from Toronto, revival struck. It was on Father's Day weekend. They had an evangelist by the name of Stephen Hill. And Stephen Hill preached that day. And when he gave his altar call, the Holy Spirit just blew their doors off, moved through the building like a wind, a real wind blowing through the church, and revival struck, and again, it went on for four or five years, and they were holding services six and seven nights a week to accommodate. People would come and line up in their sleeping bags on the sidewalk the day before or the night before to get into the next available service in that building. So when God decides and we take the limits off of him and we remove the chains that we have put on him and, and the, the restrictions that we have put on him, that's when God can do what he wants to do. Amen? Don't limit God to what you've already experienced, okay? Or what you've already heard or what you've already seen. God's always bigger than that. You know, I've grown up in church all my life. My folks went in the ministry I was uh, three years old, and uh, they went out to the Dallas, Oregon here, from Southern California, all the way from Southern California, and planted a church. Back in the, those days, they called it pioneering. So I've been in church all my life, accepted Christ as my personal Savior at the ripe old age of five, filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in water when I was 13. I don't know anything but church. They used to take us to church on Sunday nights in our footy pajamas, because they knew that church was going to run a little later, later than bedtime. And they'd lay us on the pew, or they'd lay us under the pew, do it, you know, wherever there was room. Whatever God, whatever I've seen that God has done, I don't want to limit God to that again. And I've been a part, I've been fortunate to be a part of a couple of very busy, very active, very Holy Spirit-powered churches in my years of living, in my ministry time, 
When we went to Roseburg, Oregon in 1971, a little tiny country church, you could fit the whole church building in our foyer. In our foyer. That's how small it was. It set about, if you got 75 people in the building, that was full. It was really tight. When we went there the first weekend, I was a teenager, 13 years old, and it was 12 miles out in the country. So it would almost be like driving from here to Yakult to go to church, okay? It was out in the boonies. It was out in, kind of in, in, in the farmland of Garden Valley. And, uh, and we, we began to see people. It started, we started with 12 people. And I, I had to be the church musician because there weren't any others at that point in time. They came a little later, and it was so funny because the church sat here, and the parsonage sat right next to it. We lived in the parsonage. And so my folks would stand in the big front plate glass window of the parsonage on Sunday mornings, and they would pray over the folks coming, and that you'd watch the cars come over that hill and pour into that parking lot, car after car after car. And it wasn't a matter of just a few months, and we had to move to town and find a bigger building. And then from there, we had to find a bigger building. And then from there, we had to build a bigger building. So I've, I've had the privilege of being a part of something that was growing and thriving, and God was filling the building by his Holy Spirit. How did it happen? We just had to dream bigger. We had to expect more and anticipate greater things than what we'd ever seen or what we'd ever witnessed. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. Here's how the Living Bible words that same verse. Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work in us, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, our thoughts, and our hopes. God just wants to remind you this morning, there's nothing he cannot do. There is nothing that he cannot do. Remember when God asked Moses the question in the Old Testament, and he's asking it of us today, is there any limit to my power, Moses? I don't think Moses could come up with an immediate answer, but there wasn't. Or to Jeremiah, he said, is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah had just shook his head. And said, no, God, I guess there's not. There really isn't. And the answer to those questions as they're asked of us will determine the size of our prayers, and it will determine the size of our dreams. Amen? Am I helping somebody today? Yeah. All right. So... How big is your God? How big is your God? Think about that for a moment. I want to read a little segment to you here called God's Resume. He can provide a coin from a fish's mouth. He can feed a multitude with a kid's happy meal. He can cause the sun to stand still and another time make it go in reverse. He can make an axe head float on the water. He can turn water into wine. He can send fire from heaven. He can walk on the water. He can bring three Hebrew men out of a fiery furnace, not even smelling like smoke. He can shut the mouths of the lions for Daniel. He could set Peter free from jail, escorted by an angel. He could knock down the walls of a city using nothing more than the shouts of his people. He could make a donkey speak. He could supernaturally supply a widow's grain and oil, leaving her with more than enough. He can use ravens to deliver food to Elijah. 
He could cause two of every animal to show up on Noah's doorstep. Isn't that amazing? Two, just two, only two, perfect match pair. God did all of that. All Noah had to do was build the ark and open the door in the middle of a drought. Wow. He, he used three smooth stones and a shepherd boy to defeat the mightiest of giants in the land. He took Joseph from a pit into a prison and then put him in the palace. God could smite an entire enemy army with blindness. He used a prophet's bones to raise the dead. He calmed a raging storm. He fills the nets of unsuccessful fishermen. He caused a crippled man to dance. He took Saul and turned him into the Apostle Paul. If he can do that and more, there's nothing he cannot do. Amen? There's nothing he cannot do. And what I love about God, I think he's a bit of a show-off, but hey. Because when he shows up, he shows off. Okay? Something good or something great always happens when God shows up. I loved Vernon's. Vernon was... was uh, I crossed paths with him in the foyer when I came in this morning. And he was doing his Michael Jackson moonwalk to show me how his hip was doing. Because I'd, I'd read about it this week on Facebook. But he says, man, you got to check this out. And he was showing me, how, showing me his moves. I said, brother, that is awesome. That is just amazing what God did. And so to hear the testimony today and to hear Debbie's testimony today, what God has done in our midst, in our little church in the last week, I'm just blown away how faithful God is. He leaves his mark at every turn. That's what I love about my God. He's bigger than any problem, bigger than any sickness, bigger than any fear, bigger than any heartache, and bigger than any challenge that you might face. He's bigger than any prayer that you could ever put on a prayer list. Did you know that? Bigger than any prayer. He's done great things, and he still wants to do even greater things. Amen? Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. We just read, I just read you God's resume. All the ma- amazing and major things that he did. And his word declares, hey, I'm God and I don't change. Okay? Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can count on that. That is God's promise to us as his kids. Amen? The same all-powerful, limitless God. And he delights in blessing his people. He delights in doing good things for us. I believe when we allow God to move in our lives and do good things for us, I believe it puts a smile on his face. Huh? It puts a smile on his face. It puts a skip in his step. Amen? How many of you know it takes faith to dream bigger dreams? Huh? Yeah. It takes faith to believe that God is good and he's going to do things that we would consider miracles. Amen? takes faith that God will send revival. It takes faith to believe that your friend or a family member will be saved. Huh? Some of you have prayed for folks for years. I shared the story with you about my 99-year-old grandpa. He was 99 and six months when he passed. And he never served God any portion of his life until the last couple days on his deathbed. He didn't have a relationship with God. And everybody had tried to witness to him. Everybody would pray for him. And uh, 
He just didn't want anything to do with it. You know, he's a tough old bird. And I loved him to pieces because he was the best storyteller of any human on the planet. Grandpa could sit there and tell you stories that would make the hair on the back of your neck stand up and keep you entertained all at the same time. But at 99 and a half, a couple days before he passed, my aunt sat on the edge of his bed and held his hand and said, Bill, wouldn't you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? And he'd been a hard, hard guy, tough old bird. She held his hand and she prayed with him. And a couple days later, he slipped off into eternity knowing Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's my God. Nothing too hard. Nothing too late. He's always on time. He's never early. Guarantee you that. God is never early. He, uh, he does it in his time frame. And, and we don't understand uh, always, we don't understand his time frame. I got to thinking about that as I was writing my notes. Um, we just spent the last four months praying for Darla Dixon. And she passed away from brain cancer at 59 years old. She missed her 60th birthday by about a month. And uh, we're going to celebrate her life come March 26th. It'll be my birthday that day, but we'll be here serving the family and serving the body of Christ and and uh, ushering her into the heavenlies. Even though she's already there, we're going to make it official. Kind of put our stamp of approval on it, I guess, huh? But I got to thinking about that. Lord, your timing is perfect and you're never late. Why didn't Darla receive her healing? She was believing for it. Her family, that are very godly and prayerful people, were believing for it. We don't know. Those are some of the things that you've got to ask God about when you get to heaven. There are, the Bible talks about mysteries in the heavenlies and mystery, mysterious things that only God knows about. We don't understand it all. We don't have answers for people when they ask us those questions. All you can do is point them to the word and point them to this God that you serve and he'll take care of it. Amen? Let me ask you about your dreams. Are your dreams possible to fulfill without God's help? Huh? Now, if you can do it on your own, you're not dreaming big enough. If you can do do it on your own, it is not God-inspired. Let me just challenge you on that. If you can make it happen without God's help, you're in trouble. Your dreams should be, should be so big that it takes your breath away. Amen? It's, your dreams should be so big that it makes you weak in the knees and it makes you cry out for God's help and guidance. I, uh, I firmly believe that after being in, in ministry all these years, I don't understand all that God has done for us. Sometimes I don't even grasp what he's done for us. But I got to believe that God's best is better than the rest. It's better for me. Let me share a little quote with you. An author by the name of Henry Blackaby wrote these words. He says, I have found that God always has far more to give to me than I can even ask or think. If, if God wants to give me more than I'm asking, wouldn't you rather have what you, wouldn't you rather have what you're asking for? Would you re, oh excuse me, would you rather have what 
you are asking for or what God wants to give you. Think about that for a moment as you think about the dreams that you have in your heart. Some of you, like I say, you've prayed for loved ones for so many years, and, and it, maybe it hasn't happened. Maybe it has happened. Maybe they've gotten saved. I think about my sister and my brother-in-law that were here just a few months ago, and Randy sharing his testimony with us, how he had served God in ministry and gotten bitter and turned his back on God. And Susie, I think Susie's been married to him, was it 25 years? And on, on an inconspicuous Sunday, while they were sitting in the pews in Vacaville, Randy just walked forward, and my sister-in-law, Donna, was standing on the stage. Randy says, big, a lot of you met him, big, strapping, handsome guy. He just walked forward like a little kid, tears running down his face. This guy's got his master's degree in theology. He understands the word. But what he turned his back on was Father God, who was unconditionally loving him. And the timing, God's timing was just right. Pricked his heart. And he walked down the aisle and he took Donna by the hand. And she prayed a sinner's prayer with this highly intelligent, well-educated man. And my goodness, what a difference. First time we saw him, I couldn't believe it after that. I couldn't believe it's the same guy. His countenance had completely changed. His, uh, he used to carry such a heavy spirit on him. And he looked so sad and he looked so mean. He didn't like me at all. And, and we saw them after he'd given his heart to God. He grabbed me and he... Hug me around the neck. He said, man, I love you. Uh, you'll pardon me for kind of falling apart today. I'm just trying to share with you what God has done in my life and what he can do in your life if you'll just challenge yourself to dream bigger. Amen. As we get ready to close this up, um, let me just ask you a few questions here. and Then we'll close with a song. What are you currently believing for? Think about that for a moment. What are you currently believing for? Is it the salvation of a loved one? Is it healing in your body? Healing for a loved one? Is it deliverance from addictions or a way of thinking or an immoral lifestyle? Are you hiding something in the closet that you shouldn't be and God needs to take it out of your life? Are you believing for restoration of a relationship that's fallen apart? Because that happens once in a while. Yeah. Boy, I lost a couple of close friends during the election cycle, and I haven't gained them back yet. And I was, I was asking God in the shower the other day. I said, Lord, because I was praying over them. I said, Lord, is it, is it ever going to be like it was before? I didn't get any handwriting on the wall or anything like that. But are you praying for the restoration of a relationship that's gone sour? Are you just praying for something like peace of mind or freedom from worry or freedom from fear? Man, some people you talk to them and fear grips their life 24-7. They don't, they don't know how to live without fear ruling over their life. Is it something, are you 
praying for provision and finances. Some of you need a job. God can do that. God can open that door in one day. I believe that. Not only do I believe that God has the ability to do that, but in this market where jobs are a dime a dozen, every business you drive by has a help wanted sign in the window. Jobs are to be had out there. So if you need a job, press into God and say, God, which one is for me? Which one is for me? Amen? And I'll just leave you with this. God can, God can, and God will. Amen? Let me pray over you today before we go. Father God, we're so grateful that your word gives us clear direction, shows us where to go, when to go there. Lord, and as we ponder our dreams, the things that you've put in our heart that we've held on to for so long, I pray, God, that you would give us the wisdom, the courage, and the strength to not doubt you, to not disobey you. Lord, and may we have the courage to ask. I just pray for this group of people today, Lord, that as they go from this place, the word that has been sown into their heart today, that they would put action to it. They'd put some feet to the gospel message, put their hands to the gospel, put their prayers to the gospel, and just continue to believe that you will do what your word declares it will do. We're so grateful for that, Father God. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys today. Thank you for being here and being faithful to the house of the Lord. We'll see you Wednesday night for praise and prayer.